Well, if you would, just real quick with me, um, I'd like to pray with you again. Would you bow your heads? Uh, God, there is so much that calls for our attention. When it gets quiet, uh, things come to our mind, things call to our heart. And um, really, your enemies only need our focus. And so we just ask that we would be here right now that you would help me to be fully here right now with you, listening for um, your heart to be revealed. I believe that's what you want to do this morning. So I ask that you would go on a journey with us and take us to the places that we need to go. We ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Glad you're here this morning. My name's Blair, and we're starting a new series. This series is important to me because I'm convinced that if you get this area wrong in your life, it can mess up your connection with God, which is really frustrating for me to say because I have been told my whole life that I have a problem in this area by all kinds of people. Like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you before, but I've had people who have limited insight into my life get into a conversation with me. And after a short period of time, I mean... It could be about finances, it could be about health, it could be about character. This was about character kind of stuff. But after a short period of time, they give me a diagnosis as to what's wrong with me. And I think, you don't know me well enough to be offering up that kind of information. And yet what I've found is I've sometimes gone and and looked into what they said and that person with limited insight nails it. Like, they get it right. And I'm walking away going, how in the world is that possible? That is so irritating, right? It's just irritating. And, and other times, though, a person with limited insight has spoken into my life, and they've, and they've given me a diagnosis, and they've said it with the same confidence that this other person said, and they missed it by a mile, Like, they didn't know what they were talking about. And for a while in my life, it didn't matter because I didn't listen to anybody. It was no problem. They could all talk. I, I, I knew what I was doing. I didn't need that kind of feedback. But I have learned over time that it's wise to even listen to people with limited insight as they speak to you because they might actually be seeing something that you don't see. Now, this is risky. At least this is, this is complicated. The whole thing is complicated to me. It's risky because that means at times that I will take somebody's misinterpretation, like they, they got it wrong about me, and I will digest that and think about that. And what I've realized over time is sometimes that person who made the wrong diagnosis, it's not just that they got it wrong. They had an agenda. They had a bias. And if I wasn't aware of it, I was sitting there soaking in the words that they had, taking all of that in. And that that was causing some different problems for me too. But like I said, initially it wasn't a big deal. But I've heard my whole life, I've been told this, Blair, you're an arrogant guy. Now, when I was young... I thought being right was the most important thing. And luckily for me, I was right all the time. And everybody else was wrong. It was a golden time in my life. Fantastic, right? 
I was arrogant a lot. But not all the time. Sometimes I was misdiagnosed because there was something else going on with me that people misunderstood. And it's a fine line, and eventually we're going to get to it, and we'll talk about it. But I also have a level of confidence. Like, I would be willing to do a risky role, take on a risky job, do something I've never done before, and I, don't, I know I don't have the capacity at the time, but I believe that if I worked hard enough, I had enough determination, I could learn from my failures, that I could wrestle that thing to the ground. And people would look at me and go, well, aren't you an arrogant little snot? And I was like, no, I'm a confident little snot. I mean, there's, there's some difference here that you're not picking up on. And, um, and after being diagnosed incorrectly so many times, I decided I just wasn't going to listen to people who had limited insight. And it turns out that that's arrogant. And it was frustrating. Like, oh my word, I'm back at the same place again. I, I have been um, arrogant a lot. It's unfortunate. I hear my wife laughing. That's not helpful. <laughs> right? Um, can I just say, uh, before I move on to that, that when it comes to confidence, I've, I've had the privilege of being in the schools and coaching um, a lot of great young ladies. And I would tell you that confidence is one of the undersold things that we have in our culture right now. Um, it allows you to try something and fail and not care and get up and go again. And you just keep trying, you just keep working, you just keep going. Parents, you should encourage confidence in your kids. Not a false confidence. One that helps them understand that you can work hard and determination is a good thing and all that kind of stuff. But, but if you could generate that in people, it would be a good deal. I had it. But it was also a source of criticism for me where people would come to me and say, you're arrogant. And after hearing that so much, it just became so frustrating that I shut everybody out. And then I found myself apologizing a lot. Like I apologize to so many people. My wife does not think I apologize enough. I believe that is a different message series, right? We're talking about this. And I've apologized to um, family, friends, coworkers. I've apologized to some of those students that I've coached. I've apologized to some of their parents. Oh my word, I've apologized to referees. Talk about the worst apology to ever make in your life because not once, and they made a bunch of horrible calls. Not once did anybody come to me and say, sorry, that was a horrible call. I know it was. Like, why didn't you show up and say that? But no, I'm the one apologizing because apologizing isn't getting what you deserve in the world. It's you setting things right. And I had been arrogant enough that I had messed some stuff up, and the only fix for it was for me to approach that person and say, I'm sorry. This stuff is complicated because I've been arrogant quite a bit, and I've also been right. And 
When I'm right, I like to celebrate it. And it turns out, when you rub it in somebody's face when you're right, that's also arrogance. Like, it's tough out there. But this, this is the complicated thing that's going on. Here, I'm, I'm setting this all up for two reasons. One, I want to talk about ego. I think every one of us has this. I, I think um, human nature finds a way to activate ego somewhere in your life. And two, I have enough experience with it to tell you this. It doesn't look like one thing. It can look a lot of different ways. And unfortunately, what happens is we, we look at our own life and we think, I'm doing pretty good. I don't have that. And so we excuse ourselves. Now, I want to start just by defining what I'm talking about because there's two egos out there in our culture that get discussed. I'm talking about one of them, not the other one. Um, there are some people, when they hear ego, they think of uh, kind of Freudian stuff. Freud thought there was an id, a superego, and in between those two was an ego, and you needed an ego that balanced out the two. I don't want to get into whether I think Freud is right. I, I kind of think the Holy Spirit probably does a better job, but um, I, I don't want to talk about that. But you'll talk about this with people, and some will say, no, you need an ego. That's where they're coming from. That's where they're coming from. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this. How do you think about you? What's important in your life? Others? You. What kind of attitudes do you carry about yourself? All of that kind of stuff has a way of sneaking into our lives and messing with us. And I'll tell you right now, from what I've discovered, ego is sneaky. It will convince you that what you're doing is wise, safe, and justified. And all the while, it hides behind attitudes and actions that you think are wise while it inflates and then causes problems in your life. What kind of problems? Let me show you, because the scriptures are very clear about this. So I'm going to take you to Proverbs 16. I'm going to move quick, but in Proverbs 16, verse 17, it said, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. This haughty spirit. This is a me elevated. I feel good about me. I'm focused on me. And do you see what it says there? Ego would tell you that you're just taking care of yourself. Scriptures say it's only a matter of time as you do that before you're going to fall. This is going to bring about your destruction. It's not good for you. Back in Proverbs 6, verse 16, it says this, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Did you catch those descriptions? We're about to get a list, and we're only going to read one of them. But these are things that God detests and hates strong language. What makes the top of the list? Haughty eyes. I feel so elevated. I feel so good about myself. I'm willing to look down on other people. See them as less than, not as important as. And he says, listen, this is, this is the 
thing that happens in our lives. Do you understand that it's almost impossible to have a relationship with somebody when hate is in the mix? And yet we want to have incredible relationships with God. Do you understand why I've taken that critique seriously as I've gotten older? When people have come to me and said, you're arrogant, I want to take that serious. I want to I see if there's something there. Because this is how God feels about that. And I'm, I, I don't think I'm the only one who wrestles with this, and here's why. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says this about what our task is. This is what we're up to. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Every one of us has an old self that's out for me, number one first. I take care of myself. And when you come to Jesus, your goal is to find a way to pull that thing off and to do something else. What does it say? It says here in the next verse, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds. In those places where ego hides, attitudes and actions, we're supposed to be made new there. And ego's rewriting the story. He goes on and says, to put on the new self. Can I tell you right now, it doesn't matter how long you've been a follower of Jesus. This is your job. Like you, you are examining your life and trying to find a way to honor God by not starting up all those old habits that would come back in and set up shop in the center of your life given the opportunity. It's a fight. And yet ego finds a way to do this quietly finds a way to slip in there and set up shop and start old habits that elevate ourselves above all. Well, what kind of attitudes? I, I want to just show you this real quick. This is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Um, we're being given um, an example of Jesus. This is the kind of attitude. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. <sighs> nothing. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's hard enough, but it's a comma. There's more to this. It goes on in verse 4. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. What we just read here is the opposite of ego. Where you, you actually examine the people in your life and you ask yourself, Am I putting them ahead of me? By the way, this works with God too. Am I putting God in the proper place in my life? Is his kingdom operating where it should be? Or is there something else going on? Now what I want to do for the next three weeks is I want to talk about different ways that I think ego slips in, hides from us. Listen, if it were obvious to you, you would do something about it. That's part of the problem with ego. You can look around and see a really egotistical person. There's a few of them out there in the world for you to put lies on, right? You can see that. And when you look at them, you think, I'm nothing like that. I'm good. And it's right at that moment where ego has you. Because it doesn't all look the same. It has ways. And so I want to, for the next three weeks, I want to through my own experience, 
kind of lay out for you what I've found to be true for the way ego sneaks its way into your life. And then week four, we're going to take and we're going to talk about the antidote. It's tough and it's good. But you can't employ the antidote if you don't even think the problem exists in you. And so I'm hoping over the next three weeks that we'll find a way to get honest about what's going on in our own hearts so that we can give God a shot at adjusting our course toward Him. Okay? So this morning we're going to start by finding one of the ways the ego hides in our lives. And we're going to do that by watching this. I'm here at Bonneville Mill in a lookout tower. This tower is uh, it's gorgeous. You can see for a long distance, you're probably 30 feet up. If you don't like heights, you might not like this. But it, it's a, a neat place to visit. Now, I was just in Israel where we were talking about ancient culture, and they used to build towers and walls too, but they built them for a different reason. Sure, it was valuable to look out over the horizon and to be able to see the enemy coming, but their biggest motivation when they built a tower like this was for protection. Now, we would never do that in modern warfare. I mean, you're kind of a sitting duck sitting up here. Somebody could find you and just take you out pretty easily. That's not a good thing. But in a world where they attacked with spears and swords and knives and maybe rocks and bows and arrows, a 30-foot height, that would be a huge advantage. Now, I'm bringing this up because I've discovered that ego builds towers in our lives. It builds these defensive structures that we think protect us from important things. And maybe you've had stuff happen in your life that you don't want to have happen again. And so you have kind of a defensive posture, a defensive attitude. And maybe, maybe you're protecting yourself from certain people or certain things that happen. And so you do these things that create a defensive posture in your life that basically keep people at arm's length. There's all, all kinds of ways this happens. Let me give you some examples. For instance, sometimes people build barriers by avoiding all conflict at all costs. It would be valuable if you had that difficult conversation that you needed to have with somebody. It would be really beneficial to your life. But instead, you're convinced that it would be better if you just protected your heart from anything like that, so you avoid it. In other cases, you're unwilling to take a risk. You're unwilling to expose yourself to the world. Maybe if somebody's going to realize you can't do the job or you're not going to make the team or it's just safer to stay unexposed and without risk. In other places, um, people have just been accustomed to not receiving any feedback. Don't give me feedback. In fact, our culture is so sensitive about this right now. We're afraid to hurt anybody's feelings because they assume that their feelings represent them so much you can't separate the two. You're insulting me if you hurt my feelings. And so we're so quick to want to not offend each other's feelings that you can't even give each other feedback anymore. You can't, you can't have honest, good conversations. Which has led to another barrier that I see. Sometimes our friendships are right on the surface. Nobody knows you. Nobody knows you well. And, and the few people who do, it's just right below the surface. But you're doing that to protect your heart. Still others, they will not face any kind of blame or responsibility for the things that go wrong in their life. 
It's always somebody else's fault. It's always on somebody. Because they can't let any kind of assessment of their soul or heart happen. And so everybody gets held away. Some people do it by just shutting off all emotion. I'm not going to feel anything. You can't hurt me if I don't feel anything. And so their hearts go dull. Or some people do the opposite. They embrace a negative emotion and they express it and it just repels people left and right. And they're fine with that because it drives people away. Now I'm saying all of this because I've become convinced that while we're doing all of these things, we believe we're doing something good. Some of us would use this language, I'm just putting up a boundary in my life. No, a boundary is finding a way to put yourself in a healthy place and stay there. A barrier is a structure that keeps people away from you, forced as far away from you as you can so that you can protect your heart. Our culture has become so good at this. We've constructed so many walls and barriers around our hearts that it's caused a loneliness problem and people are shocked when they're lonely. Now this sentiment has been going on for years. And in all cultures, people have been putting up these walls. Sometimes they're made light of. They're kind of jokey or funny. I don't know if you guys um, can recall the old MC Hammer song, Can't Touch This. It's a guy about an ego who believes that nobody's capable of measuring up to who he is. You can't touch this, right? And yet, when you inflate your ego, what has to happen at some point is that you've got to start protecting that. And so what it turns into is, you can't touch this. You can't get anywhere near my heart. My friends, I want you to understand that when you build a tower in your life, it's ego. It's ego hiding behind all of these things, making sure that self-protection is the first thing that you do, the primary thing on your mind, and it causes problems for our lives. Now, I want to talk about this more, so let's head back in, and we'll talk about how we build these towers. I thought about dazzling you with my MC Hammer skills. Um, you would be so distracted, we won't be able to get back on track, right? Uh, funny song. Not very funny when you realize that it honestly has become a reflection of our culture. Where we believe you can't touch this, and we do things to make sure that you can't get to our heart. Um, just so you understand, I believe this is true because I did it myself. My tool of choice um, when I was younger was anger. I, um, I, was like, I was like Bruce Banner, like before he turned into the Hulk where you would go, you won't like me when I'm angry. <laughs> Remember he would say that? And uh, people didn't like it when I got angry, so they would do things to not upset me. And I could, con I could control stuff and the outcomes because people were so afraid of the anger. And it worked out really well for me because I got my way a lot, except it held almost everybody at arm's length. Nobody wanted to get close enough to get burned by that, to have somebody explode on that. I've watched other people do the same thing. I mentioned in the video where they just shut off all emotion and they go cold. 
and their hearts are not available to anybody. You can't hurt me if it's rock hard. You're right. I can't hurt you, and I can't know you. And people are okay with that until they get to a place in their lives where that is going to break them. And suddenly, it's not okay anymore. Some people use judgment. They look down their nose at other people, they gossip about other people, and they feel pretty good about it because nobody gossips about them. But you know why? Because they've all figured out that you talk about them and they're not gonna trust you with anything in their life. And so they don't know you because they're not willing to get to know you. And it's judgment that's kept people at bay. For others, they have this escape mechanism where they get close to somebody, and when it gets too close, they ghost them. When, you, when you're asking important questions about my life, I'm out of here. I'll, I'm busy, man. I'm busy. I don't have time for you. I don't have time for this. And we go, and we push away, and we get out of these relationships. My friends, these defense mechanisms that we construct in our life, we convince ourselves they're there for a good reason. But listen carefully. These are Paul's words. You're not looking to your own interest, but to the interest of others. I find that impossible to do when self-protection is job one. And what I've discovered is that our defensive structures, there are so many creative ones, I couldn't list them all for you. I, I can't tell you how they all show up, but I know how it works. There's either a fear in your life for me. I was just so frustrated with being misdiagnosed that I wanted to push that off. Or somebody's afraid of failure. That they say, I'm not listening to this anymore. And so you close your heart off. I wish this just happened with friends, but I watch this happen with married couples too. To a point where they feel like they just don't even really connect with each other. Why? Because one person is so protecting their heart that the other can't get close enough. It's not, it's not putting others ahead. It's ego running the show. The problem is, ego is like a drug. When you start using a drug, you are convinced that what you're doing makes you feel good and safe. Like, this is a good thing for me to do. And pretty soon, you become like your body calls for it, craves for it, wants it. And now you're kind of trapped in a cycle. And my friends, this is what ego does to you as well. It gets us hooked on us, protecting us, and it even makes us think we're wise doing it. And all the while, it's setting us up for destruction, just like a drug would do. It's going to end poorly, and that's what happens with ego. Now, the truth is, I have limited insight into your life. I, I don't... I don't honestly know if you're building a tower or not. I have enough experience with ego to, 
to believe that it finds sneaky ways to self-protect all over the place. And as soon as you inflate it, it's got to self-protect. It's got to protect itself from being attacked by other people. So it might be there. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I know that a God who has unlimited insight into your life could help you with this, except the problem with ego is that it damages relationships and not just human ones. When, you're in, when your ego inflates and you start building defensive structures to hold other people away, it has the effect, the same effect on God. He gets pushed away. It's why I think he hates ego. Because eventually, you only care about you and protecting you above all else. God, his kingdom, those values, doesn't matter. But he has this desire to partner with you in a unique way in the world. But in order for that to happen, there needs to be this process that we talked about in Ephesians 4, where you're putting off the old self and putting on the new, where you're starting to take on the attitude of Jesus. It's when that happens is when dynamic stuff can take place in your life. But ego is the opposite of what Jesus stood for. Now, um, we are a few weeks away from Easter where we're going to celebrate the most important sacrifice that's happened in the history of the world. But, but right before Easter, there was another sacrifice that happened that up until that point, until that was the most important sacrifice in the history of the world, and it was when Jesus came to earth. Jesus left this protective place in heaven next to his father and came and opened himself up for all kinds of garbage. The scriptures record that he bled, he was hungry, he was lonely, he was tired, he was tempted, that he exposed himself to difficulties because he didn't stay in the tower. He put himself out there. Incredible sacrifice. Something that we could follow and be a part of. But I don't know how you do that unless you find a way to address ego. And I don't know how you address ego if you don't think you have a problem. If you look around and you see other people and you're like, I'm not like that, it's not me. My friends, we're putting off our old self, putting on a new self. The question is, can you find where you've built protective walls? Because if they don't come down, your relationship with God that you desire to be something great will not be. It will be hindered. So I'm hoping that you'll take a week You'll consider what's going on in your heart. That you'll actually go to God and say, is there any structure that I need to be aware of that I've built for my personal protection? Is there, are there any words from somebody who had limited insight, who's spoken to you, and you just kind of discarded that? Maybe it's time to revisit that and just sit there with the Holy Spirit and say, is there anything to these words? Because if you can't get to the bottom of this, it will lead you to a place of destruction. 
And God has far more than that in mind for your life. Can I pray with you? God, we've got um, a week to think about some stuff. Uh, I really believe that uh, the Holy Spirit has the opportunity, the ability to open our eyes, take off our blinders, and to help us see these barriers that we put up. Um, God, um, many of us will think that we're just doing something wise. I'm just, I'm preventing myself from being hurt. I'm dealing with this fear. I'm dealing, and yet, it's just ego hiding. So I ask that you would bring it out into the open so that we could at least be honest about what's happening with our hearts so that we can give you a shot at this. God, we do want a relationship with you. We want to honor you. I ask that you would open our minds, reveal the truth, and lead us as you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're about to sing a worship song where we're going to talk about the stuff that you believe and who you believe in. I, I hope you'll sing that with some energy, knowing that, you know what? He made that sacrifice so that you could take off the old and put on the new. So take this assignment in this next week serious. You serve a God who's given you every advantage. Will you lean into it? Will you stand and worship?